This is the Love Your Mom Life podcast, where we get real about getting out of your motherhood rut and creating a mom life you love. I'm your host, Nikki Odin, and I know a lot about what it's like to not love your mom life. Being a mom is hard, and being a mom with goals and dreams is even harder. Over the years, I've spent a whole lot of time on the hot mess express trying to harmonize motherhood with everything else I want out of life. But eventually, I figured it out. Sort of. You can create a mom life you absolutely love. So come on, let's do this thing together. Before we dive in, this is my cute little reminder to please hit that subscribe button. Be sure to follow us on social, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, be sure to visit the blog at youridealmomlife.com for real life solutions to help you take back your time and love your mom life again. Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Love Your Mom Life podcast. I am really excited to chat with today's guest who is an expert in personal finance and is here to explain to us why frugal is not another F word. And I don't know about you, but after all that holiday spending, I'm definitely in need of some advice. But before we meet her, just take a second to hit that plus or check mark button in your podcast app to officially follow this podcast and If you like this episode, share it. Another mom deserves to hear this awesome advice. Give it to somebody you love. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram, as I've mentioned a hundred times. My handle is Nikki Odin, because I really do want to be friends with you. I personally manage that account, and I see every like, comment, and DM, so let's connect already. And finally, big, big news. My first book is now shipping. It's called But Definitely Wear Mascara, Hacks to Help You Love Your Mom Life and Yourself a Little More. And it's a collection of my love letters to all the working mamas out there like you who are trying to make a mark on the world while being the best moms they can be. It's super easy to read with short chapters that don't need to be consumed in order. I did that on purpose. I know you're busy. Definitely check it out. The link to order is in the show notes. And now let's meet our guest. Today's guest is a personal finance expert and co-host of the top-rated Frugal Friends podcast. Since paying off $78,000 of debt in two years, she's been on a mission to help people spend in alignment with their values and live for today while saving for tomorrow. She's the author of two best-selling books on controlling your spending and paying off debt, The No Spend Challenge Guide and Pay Off Your Debt for Good. Connect with her on Instagram at Frugal Friends Podcast or on her website, frugalfriendspodcast.com. I'm really excited she's here. Welcome to the show, Jen Smith. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's just awesome. I'd, I'd love to start with your story because I know oftentimes adversity can teach us so many valuable lessons that we can then use to help the people who come after us, which is exactly what you've done since becoming debt-free. So let's start there. Yeah, I think adversity teaches us the best lessons as long as we're cognizant of taking the time to figure out what we're learning from them. And that's exactly what I did, kind of not by choice. When my husband and I were paying off debt, I I did go all in. And I used to 
I used to think of myself as like an all or nothing person. I'm either all in or all out, which I thought was a personality trait, but now I'm kind of viewing it more as like a coping mechanism. (laughs) So that was me paying off debt. I was all in so much to the point is that two months in, I actually gave myself shingles because I was (gasps) so in and so stressed. Wow. So I had to learn very quickly that I couldn't be all or nothing. I had to kind of diversify because my body wouldn't allow me to just side hustle all the time and just devote every waking minute to this thing. And in hindsight, that's great. My body was thinking clearly when my mind wasn't because that's not healthy. Yeah, that's what it does. Yeah. It, it tells us. Yeah. But I was, I was overwhelmed because I was, I had, uh, between my husband and I, $78,000 of debt, but I was personally only making about 40. And he was unemployed twice during those two years. Yikes. So he would go from making 40 to making nothing. <laughs> so it was, it, it did have this sense of urgency. And so prioritizing a goal isn't bad. It's great. It helps that right. goal get done faster. But it was the way in which I I went about prioritizing it. And in the five, six years since paying all that off, we have been, uh, my co-host Jill and I, we've been hosting the Frugal Friends podcast for about five years now. And we have heard so many stories, similar stories, uh, stories from people who've paid off debt in completely different ways or right. kind of stopped uh, at a certain point because their goal was to pay off one debt, but not all debt. And so we've kind of heard this variety of paths mm-hmm. that have have normalized choosing a path that's right for you and a financial goal that's right for you, even if it's a little different from maybe what the financial guru your following is saying to do. So yeah, that's kind of been our, our journey, uh, from, from paying off debt to here now. Well, I was going to say with what you just said that not all debt is equal. It's not all created mm-hmm. equal. So I, I think that maybe factors into to how some people approach, you know, what they're going to pay off and what they're not going to pay off. So in your situation, was it mostly credit card debt? So we didn't have any credit card debt. It was mostly student loan debt and a little bit of a car loan. And so we didn't feel like we were being irresponsible fiscally. We were, we felt like we were educated people that got tricked into the like, like having more debt than we made in a year. It felt unfair, really. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that was, that was kind of like, keeping me from paying off my debt for the first several years after I graduated because everybody else was fine with it. And it's not like I was racking up credit card debt living wildly. I just thought, okay, this is what I'm making. This is the debt I have. This is how it's going to be for forever. This is just how it's how people live. Uh, so it took my then fiance kind of challenging me with what are the things that you want to do in life? Like, five, 10 years down the road. Like let's, I know what you want to do like next year. I know what you want to do like over the weekend, but let's start to think just five years down the road. Let's not get crazy uh, with 20 years because you can never predict where you're going to be in 20 years. It's always going to be wrong. (laughs) Even 10 years, (laughs) you're always going to be wrong. So just thinking five years down the road. 
and how much easier that could be to accomplish if we didn't have debt. Uh, and is it worth sacrificing some stuff now to make those bigger goals and bigger dreams not only easier to achieve, but just easier to enjoy? Mm-hmm. And and that is what got me thinking that and feeling guilty because I had double the amount of debt that he did. And I was like, <laughs> he's the one that wanted to pay it off. And I was like, no, no, this is not how it's going to be. <laughs> so those two things combined are what got me over the hump and got me started um, wanting to pursue this. And and seeing the reality of the journey is what I started writing like one year in because I was miserable. Like I was, yeah, I was, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was horrible. The way I did it was horrible. Um, Very like, depriving myself, feeling guilty about my debt, feeling shame anytime I spent money. Like that's just what I felt. And so I started writing a little blog to kind of help the people around me. I was like, if anybody else wants to do this, here's what I did right. Here's what I did wrong. Hopefully saves you from shingles. And and that kind of snowballed and led to like a full-time freelance writing career in personal finance. And yeah, I, I don't remember what the original question was, but that's, <laughs> that's the answer. No, and I, I love what you were saying about the mindset where he was like, where do you want to be in five yeah. years? And like, don't you want to get there faster? Wouldn't it be easier if we didn't have all this debt? And it's not, so it's not about the shame. It's not about feeling inadequate or stupid or, or irresponsible. It's like, oh, how can I make this easier? How can mm-hmm. I make what I want easier? And and that's a, I mean, you can still get there shaming yourself, right? But to think about it the other way, yes. it's so empowering and it's just so much, it's just easier, right? Yeah. It, the, the road uh, with, for through shame and guilt and bullying gets you there much faster, I think. But the road of, of grace and kindness to yourself uh, gets you there with fewer scars. So you have to decide which road you want to take because they'll both get you there. Yep. Um, and, but at different times and different, uh, aftermaths. Cause I really felt like a debt payoff hangover after we paid off our debt. I didn't know what to do. I, uh, I started, I transferred the, the vigorousness, which I worked towards paying off debt to investing. Uh, which I think is a big reason why the FIRE movement is very popular in personal finance. FIRE stands for financial independence, retire early. Ah. Because people love extremes. They just, if you can live in an extreme, then it's just easier than kind of deciding for yourself, you know, what you really want. So <laughs> I kind of like transferred that. And when I realized what I was doing, um, that I was avoiding figuring out what I truly wanted to do in the here and now um, and what the balance was between living for today and saving for tomorrow, that, that was a hard stop in, in all of the extremes. That was the turning point uh, where, where we said, this is financial independence and financial responsibility isn't the goal. It's the means to which where you get to the goals and you get the things money can't buy. Uh, and so that was the, that was that road. And now let's take a quick break. 
The heart behind the iMom podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on iMom.com and when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. How often do you say to yourself, I love my mom life? A lot, hopefully. But if sometimes you sort of feel like motherhood is one long ride on the hot mess express, you're not alone. As a mom, you have the best intentions of getting your to-do list, your goals, and you know, your life in order. And sometimes you kind of do. But then a small human asks you repeatedly for a snack and you completely lose track of what you are doing. Sound familiar? Our mission at Your Ideal Mom Life is to help moms take back their time and get more of what they want. And we have a fun and simple and free way to help you make that happen. It's called the Mom Life Challenge. During this challenge, you'll learn how to create a mom life you absolutely love. In three days, you'll jumpstart the habits you need to organize your life and your schedule. Translation, less mom fails, more winning. And did I mention it's free? Visit us at youridealmomlife.com slash momlifechallenge and join thousands of other moms who are taking back their time and loving their mom life again. So speaking of hangovers, I know a lot of people are hungover from the holidays because of all the spending, and it probably is a lot of credit card debt. So when you talk to people about becoming financially independent as a means to an end, is there any advice that you give that sort of applies across the board, or is it pretty individualized? It So there's a lot of across-the-board wisdom and I like to say there's there's nothing new under the sun. Everything has been thought of. It's all just repackaged and repurposed in new ways because people learn and hear things um, in different ways and things so start true. to yeah. So so no, there's the general advice that you've heard is probably the secret sexy new answer you're looking for. <laughs> so <laughs> and it does, especially in January, we feel this new year, new you type of thing. And when does it ever last? Like by February, we're all back to eating cheeseburgers and, you know, impulse buying Starbucks where it's, it happens to everyone. So Mm -hmm. not necessarily thinking of like total transformation, but how can I implement small steps and small strategies and small changes Yes. That seem really limiting. They, they're they not cool. You're not going to like, it doesn't seem life-changing. <laughs> but when you focus on these things, and this is why most people when I, um, so we have this debt-free stories series that we do, we just started on YouTube. And as I was interviewing people for this and being like, what was the catalyst for you starting to pay off your debt? Not a single one said their, it was their New Year's resolution. 
It was always some other time in the year. And they just started with one thing. They started with one step. And then those steps just added up together. Very Mm -hmm. rarely, if ever, do I hear somebody just changed everything when was was able to stick with it. So if you're feeling some kind of hangover from your spending, whatever it was on, there's no shame in it because there's so much joy in the holidays. Uh, The things that money can't buy, those are all encompassed in the feelings of the holiday. So of course we want to spend money there. Of course. But if you're trying to get back on track because maybe you spent a little too much, then starting with small little habit changes, um, small little scheduling in things that is one step closer to the financially secure person that you want to be, that's how you get 1% better every month. And that's how it snowballs into this life change that you see other people getting. But you're like, why can't I do that? I'm an educated person. I'm smart and driven. Why can't I do that? It's because we often, as capable people, expect too much of ourselves too soon. And we got to really baby ourselves when we are creating life change. Amen to everything you just said. (laughs) I love that. And my listeners who have been listening to me for a long time are like, Nikki loves this because Nikki always says start small. (laughs) Like if you do want to make change on January 1st that actually is sustained until December 31st of 2023, you start small. Mm-hmm. You can't, like you said, change it all at once. It's one thing, one lead domino. I love the idea of changing a habit because habits really are what are going to move the needle for you. Mm-hmm. And one good habit leads to the next. And it's just, it's like a domino effect. So do you have any examples of small habits that you changed when you were first starting out or when you or advising people now, because I know I think when you were first starting out, you kind of bit off it all at once. <laughs> yeah. So I think the best habit that I adopted when I was starting out, and it's not a habit I have now, now that we're, you know, six, seven years out of the beginning stages. But when I was starting, it was manually tracking transactions, doing it manually, not using a budgeting app like Mint or something that does it automatically is to manually track that. And some people like to do it on paper. I still did it um, in an app. Now I do it uh, in a Google sheet when I when I do do it manually. Like but, the old school checkbook ledger is basically yes, what you were doing. Yes. Wow. And it's because it puts you in tune with every purchase. And it's not a tactic to guilt you about purchases. It's simply a tactic to put to connect you to them. We're so disconnected from our purchases and from our subscriptions and automatically paying bills. That's like a like it's like a bare minimum. That's great. But it does disconnect us from it, which isn't always a bad thing because the bills get paid on time. Uh, but it is when you when you just stop thinking about them and you take for granted or assume that everything you're paying is face value. That's what I have to pay. That's what I'm going to pay. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just laughing at myself, like trying not to like snort into the microphone because I totally understand what you mean about being disconnected. Like things show up at my doorstep and I'm like, I forgot I bought that. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Just like constantly like, oh, an Amazon box. I wonder what's in here because I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So, and these purchases, like making purchases and spending money is not evil. It's not the enemy. Like we get, we pay money for services and products that help our lives and make it better all the time. Yeah, I'm so it's, glad you said that. It's when we become disconnected and are making those purchases unintentionally or without knowing why at all. Uh, is that Impulse, that's, like you said. Yeah, and that's when it becomes stressful and anxiety-inducing. And that's what we want to avoid. So taking time, for me it was, when I get into bed at night, I just want to like disconnect. I just want to turn off my brain. And so for me, it was like I would sit down in bed and before I was able to veg out on social media or playing solitaire, I would go through and I would make sure that everything that was money was spent on that day was in the tracker. And I, I didn't do this when I was paying off debt, but now what we tell um, our listeners and our club members to do is to actually write a note next to the the expense and be like, okay, what was I feeling? Why did I make this? How do I feel about it now? Just like one little like three-word, one-sentence note about mm. the state of the expense. Because that can help you when you're identifying spending habits and you're like, why? Okay, I'm seeing this transaction every other day for three weeks. Why? You can go back to your notes and see what was maybe the trigger of the habit. What's the common denominator? Oh, can I meet, yeah, can I meet the desire in a different way, et cetera, et cetera. So that's like mm. using the habit loop. Um, I right. love mm-hmm. Atomic Habits by James Clear. And so we talk a lot about the habit loop. And when you can start to identify the triggers, then you can start to change the habit. When you make those notes about your expenses, then you can start to, even across different expenses, you can start to identify different triggers. So that's something we've added over the years. That is absolutely mind-blowing. Very, very interesting. And I have not read Atomic Habits, but I've read The Power of Habit, and I've Mm -hmm. understood the habit loop. And it really is so powerful when you understand how to break a habit because you understand the habit loop and how to form a habit when you want to form a healthy habit because a habit uses a different part of your brain. It doesn't require any willpower once it's a habit. So imagine Mm -hmm. what you could accomplish if you made some of those healthier choices into habits. So I I think I'm going to try this. I I mean, I, I resist recording everything. I used to do it like in the 90s. Like I had the checkbook ledger and the pen in my purse and I like wrote it all down. And then I was like, why am I doing this? It's all in my statement. I'll just look at my statement. But like, I understand what you're saying. Like to really, first of all, it reinforces it when you write it down. Like you really have to, you do connect to it. Mm-hmm. You remember that you're like, oh yeah, that I spent like 50 bucks at Sephora today. On, I literally have more eyeshadow in my bathroom than anyone will ever need ever. But like, I still do that. So I guess, you know, really identifying a, like remind yourself you did it and then B, why did you do it? You know, Mm -hmm. like, what were you feeling? Like, what was the need and can that need be met in a different way? And if it can, it can't, right? But if it can, yeah, that's really game changing. Yeah. You don't give yourself the opportunity to get creative and find 
uh, lower cost or free alternatives to meet your needs if you don't even realize what you need. Like if you don't realize the true need, you'll never create those alternatives. And we love, like something we love about frugality is just getting creative. It gives you the opportunity to just pause for a second, think, can I get creative in how I acquire this, how I meet this need, how I get the service done? Can I get creative in how I'm spending my money? And it gives you just time and the option to think about it. And if you can't, you can't. But there's so many times where you can and you just don't realize, you don't give yourself the space to consider it. Yeah. So you use the word frugality. Obviously, frugal is a name that you are, a word you're familiar with. What does frugal mean to you? I love this question. I have, so first I will say what frugal typically I've seen mean to people And I either see it as a source of like, ooh, gross, that's what my grandmother did. I love to spend money. Like, that's just not me. I'm not frugal. That's me. Yes. Or the other end of the spectrum where we'll be speaking at an event and some someone will come up after and be like, oh my gosh, I got this at a thrift store, this at a thrift store. I got this secondhand. I got this for free. Like wearing how little they spend as a badge of honor. So like seeing it as a race to the bottom with their spending. And it is neither of those. We are, we reject both. Uh, we, re- we reject the notion that you have to spend nothing to spend well because frugality is spending well. It's, it's good stewardship of your money and all of the resources that money touches. And we got this, we kind of adapted this from Wikipedia. Um, but it's, I mean, it's good stewardship of all of your limited resources. So obviously that's money, but your most limited resource is time. So it's good Mm. stewardship of your time. So not saving money at the extreme expense of your time. Yes, I Um, love that. It's good stewardship of your natural resources, which many to an extent are also finite. Uh, So being good, you know, good stewards there, being sustainable, which flows into buying secondhand and reducing waste. And then also physical, your physical space, your mental space, your energy. So it's being aware of all of these finite resources that you have and just trying to use them well, not prioritize one at the expense of another. And that's really a freeing way to live. It's not deprivation. It, it gives you the ability to, if you can say no to some things that you may want a little, to say yes to things that you either want way more or things that money can't buy, that's freedom. Mm-hmm. like, And that's frugality to us. I love that explanation because, you know, honestly, when I first was considering this topic for the podcast, I, w- I said, I resist being frugal because in my mind, frugal is is limiting. It's not mm-hmm. expansive. There's nothing bright about it. It's like Scrooge. It's, it's you know, the word no over and over again and, you know, telling yourself lies about money and that money is bad or spending money is bad. And I, I really appreciate this other perspective and this different way to look at it. So one thing that I feel about money, though, I don't feel like it is finite. I mean, I don't think that I have an infinite 
bag of money that's like, you know, a Mary Poppins bag mm-hmm. and it just keeps filling up with money. But I do feel like money is infinite in the in the sense that it's always out there. It's not like gold or oil. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that a little bit more about what you mean by that? Absolutely. So your ability to earn income is infinite. There is always an ability to earn more. If you are stewarding your time well, your mm-hmm. investments, um, your time at work, especially, like if you're not wasting that and you are, you're being a good steward of that in order to get promotions or bigger jobs or pursue entrepreneurship, whatever your wheelhouse is, that opportunity is infinite. But your paycheck ends. If yeah, you sell a product, <laughs> they're not going to overpay you for it. So in that sense, that money is finite. And we do have to be cognizant and intentional with our outflow as it comes in. Or, or you will be like these high-income earners who are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. There are people making millions of dollars a year who are spending millions of dollars a year. And for people that are not making millions, that sounds crazy. But there are six-figure earners making like, you know, hundred, two hundred thousand dollars a year that are spending that and more. Yeah. They're living paycheck to paycheck, where people making 40 can't imagine doing that. It's this lifestyle inflation that happens. The more mm-hmm. you earn, the more you spend. And if you cut that off, if you figure out what do I value? What are the things that I want that money can't buy? What are my priorities? You can get all of that. And, and if you can't afford it right now, then you can focus on raising your income to get all of that. And then anything you make over that is excess. Or when you make it and you are earning enough to live the life you love, then you can say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop working or I'm going to go down to part-time. You know, So you can create freedom in yourself um, and in your life in these different aspects if you know what you want and how much it costs. I have always said that everything, everything that you do needs to start with what you want. You need to give yourself permission to really connect with and and get intimate with mm-hmm. what you want. Because a lot of us, especially mothers and, and women in general, don't ever pause to think about what do I want? Yeah. We kind of let other people tell us what we want or fill in our time for us or tell us what to spend our money on. And it's so true that that needs to be your pole star and the guide for everything you do. What do you want? And then everything else can will align with that if you create it. So I mm-hmm. love what you were saying before about, you know, like going down to part-time if you want and getting the promotion if you want to have more money. Like create what you want so you can live it out. That's so yeah. powerful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel that so, so deeply that we are all living in this life that we kind of are so exhausted by, like I was just driving my child to daycare this morning the whole way he was screaming at the top of his lungs, like, I want to stay home. And like, by the end of it, I'm on the on the steering wheel and I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know how to get back. <laughs> like I've lost my way. And so like, we, it, it is hard to manage what we want when we can barely figure out our way home you know, from daycare. Yeah. And, but in those like scheduling time to be in a good state of mind, <laughs> scheduling time when you know 
that you can be full to do this hard work of finding your values, deciding your goals, like figuring out your limiting mindsets. All of this stuff is integral or you will get 10, 20 years down the road and feel like you didn't live life, feel like you mm-hmm. missed out on your life at, for the sake of your children's life, which is, yeah. you know, there's no shame in it, but there's so much more. I, I There's so much more out there for you if you take the time to do the hard work of finding yourself. A hundred percent agree. And I think that even ties in with what we were talking about with the spending, like even the way we might plan for our children's future and for their finances, and then we like ignore our own or the way perhaps we even spend on our kids versus the way we spend on ourselves. It's all, it's all tied together. Mm-hmm. So what can people do if they want to kind of work with you or like make over the way they spend? Yeah. So uh, we have uh, two episodes a week that we release of Frugal Friends podcast, and you can find it wherever you are listening to this podcast. And it, I mean, we just go deeper on all the things that we were talking about in this conversation. And then we, yeah, we do have practical like money saving tip episodes too. Those are always fun We keep, when you can hack something and save money on it. Um, and we also have a free three day spending makeover. Uh, so it is, uh, three videos where we teach you how to look back at your spending, how to track your transactions in a way that will help you identify habits, um, how to find your values so that you can plan your future spending and create a values-based spending plan so that you can you can make this year something where you feel good about your finances that doesn't involve depriving yourself that yeah, you can spend love money uh love it and not go broke amen to that <laughs> cheers yeah so how do people find that so uh we're at frugalfriendspodcast.com/makeover you can find Perfect. that challenge And I'll definitely be putting that in the show notes. That's exciting. I feel like I need to do this. (laughs) (laughs) It's fun. I mean, it's as fun as looking at your transactions and your spending can be. Well, you know what? (laughs) I think when you look at it from the the perspective or with the mindset that I'm I'm going to be making things easier, I'm going to be identifying some habits or you know, impulses that I didn't realize I had. Mm-hmm. It really is fascinating. I, I mean, I'm, I think I'd be interested in it just to see what my patterns are that are unconscious. Right. And that is the craziest thing. People think they have to start with giving up the things they love most in order to be financially responsible when really it's the opposite. We start with tracking our transactions so that we can see oh my gosh, I'm spending money on this ABC mouse subscription I didn't even remember signing up for. Uh, Right, or my kid's like in high school now. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So like you can see these things that you don't care about that you can cut really quickly off the top uh, and then start to work up. It's like when you declutter, you don't start with your like really close, like, you know, ashes of dead relatives and pictures of, you know, family members. You start with a junk drawer. You start with yeah. a packet drawer. Like that's what we're doing with your spending. And it, it works. I know it does because that's exactly how you would achieve any goal. You start small and mm-hmm. then the next step will reveal itself. So thank you for being here. This has been very enlightening. I've absolutely loved hearing all of these tips, these 
just easy, accessible changes we can make. It is absolutely amazing. And keep doing what you're doing. I mean, we we need it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, thank you for just letting me talk about, I could talk all day. So I'm really surprised we made it in this time limit. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have given us so many golden nuggets and some great advice. And I highly encourage everyone to click on that link in the show notes to start their spending makeover because it sounds like it could be absolutely life-changing. It has been, yeah, for a lot of people. Well, that wraps up our conversation with Jen Smith of Frugal Friends. I know you took a huge list of valuable nuggets from it, and I can't wait to hear what you're going to start implementing. We'll see you next time on the Love Your Mom Life podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you took something of value from it. If you liked this episode, please share it with someone you love. And it would mean the world if you would leave a rating or a review. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Your Ideal Mom Life on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I can't wait to be with you in the next episode of the Love Your Mom Life podcast.